guys, welcome back to season two. I'm so excited for this season. I'm so excited for the content that's gonna be coming out. I'm excited to be releasing it. I'm excited to be interacting with you guys. And um, I'm really looking forward to some really great conversations. I'm really looking forward to exploring what season two has in store for us. Hey, if you're new, I encourage you to subscribe and we're going to be dropping new episode, actually a whole bunch of episodes all together the first Thursday of every single month. So you don't want to miss out. Make sure you subscribe. Give me some feedback as well. How are you finding this? Is this helping you? Because the mission is staying the same. Our vision is staying the same. At least my vision is staying the same. And that is to just engage in conversation that doesn't always get airtime or a lot of airtime. Um, in some of the social circles that we're part of, or sometimes as well in church. That's where this podcast was birthed out of, and hopefully it's content that helps you, it's content that challenges you, it's content that leads you to have more conversations with people around you. So, subscribe, let me know how you're thinking, and um, I'm looking forward to this journey with you. It's actually brilliant. Yes. Cool. Did I tell you what I did with mm-hmm. my podcast now? No. Oh, is it like you're releasing it like a Netflix show? You just like did episode I tell you that? episode bomb? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did. It was fun. How did that go? Um, I haven't actually checked um, how many views are gone. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's actually a smart idea. Like I'm like oh, that sounds like a really good idea. Oh, it's so much better for prep. Um, um, and you don't you don't have to rush as much yeah um, but I think it helps to take more time to do a little bit more research yeah okay good because yeah week by week thing that's that was for long I don't know how I sustained that oh man as I did yeah. yeah I mean me and Ben on our podcast we've gone to fortnightly and um when I go over to his house, we do it. We do two episodes at least, so that way we don't have to get together to like another month. And your episodes are close to an hour each. Yeah, well, we're trying to get them down to forty-five minutes at the yeah. moment. Last one I saw was forty-five. Well, forty-five? Was it forty-eight? Nah, maybe. Yeah, it's probably around that. <laughs> forty-five, forty-eight, <laughs> extra three minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, I literally just yeah I saw it the other day because it popped up in my my thing like. That you guys have a have an episode out. Yeah, we had a two parter. We did what's called a finding the line episode. It's me and Ben. I think we'll learn over time that we definitely have. Um, and he he would he would be fine with me saying this. Like we we definitely have very different views, and so we did an episode. Well, we did we did one episode where we discussed our views on the afterlife. Mm. And then... I thought that was two episodes. Oh, we did. Sorry, we did two, yeah. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Is how I would say it. Yeah. Uh, Afterlife and heaven is a place on earth, question mark. Yeah, yeah. So that was another one. And then we did... Wow, we've done four episodes around that topic. Because then we did a, what we call a final line episode. Mm -hmm. Where we kind of critique each other's views. Yeah. And then that episode went for a really long time recording. So we just split it into two. Yeah, which means that became our months. Um, months thing. Harder. So you guys released two a month. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. Finding the line. 
It's pretty good. <laughs> but of course I would say that. Of course you would say that. Yeah. You have to play well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you writing any books? Um, Surely. Yeah, well, yes. I've got like... Okay, here's the thing. I've got like 11 different book ideas. Awesome. And I've got one that I've probably been writing on and off for about seven years. I'm not technically writing on the book at the moment, but I'm doing a side project, which is like very personal, just about, you know, analyzing what I believe. That's what you talked about. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got like, that's right. So I've got one where I talk about how we know what we know, Mm -hmm. more specifically relating to faith. Mm -hmm. And that was about 5,000 words long. Mm -hmm. I'm doing one on the Bible. Yeah. I'm not even close to finishing. Sorry about 5,000 words. Yeah, so it's fun. It's really fun. So, and I have funny. I have a funny feeling that a lot of that content is going to go into the book, but more in book friendly form. At the moment, it's purely my riffraff and just try, <laughs> for me to try to process everything. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Jesus. Well, I did message you as well mm. uh, because last time we actually chatted, it was we touched a little bit on the atonement. That's right. We now, did. I thought you would probably be. Um, uh, I thought it would probably be appropriate because you are a fanboy, for lack of a better word, <laughs> <laughs> of N.T. Wright, who yeah. is a first-century historian. Yeah, I'd say so. Professor. Yeah. Um, at least that's what he you know specializes in. I remember last year's retreat where we had that really long conversation. That's right. I think we Man, like, might have talked on him. I remember because we no was that I don't know if that was the year before. I feel like that would have been probably last year or the year before. But we drove down. This was the year before. We drove down and had like an hour and a half conversation nonstop. That's right. Yeah, yeah. In the car. Yeah. And then there was last year when we were, you know, people were going around to art galleries and things like that, and we got talking. And you recommended me some anti-right books. That's um, right. I recommended. I would have recommended. The revolution began. Yeah. So that was one. that's his book on the atonement. Um, yeah. I probably would have recommended why I called his gateway drug book. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, Surprised by Hope Surprised by yeah. That's the one you recommend no, I haven't yeah. got that one I've got an NT right Somewhere Which in one? Um, Let's have a look Which I've actually got to get to um, Let's move that way Yes yeah. Anyway oh, okay. Simply Jesus Simply Jesus Simply Jesus That's the one I want to get to But You got a really good book collection by the way Thank you, thank you. I'm sure. quite jealous Thank you, thank you, thank you Yeah Do I have more books than you do? Um, yeah, I think you do. Actually. No. Yeah. Okay, that's actually a mix between mine and my wife's. Okay. Book. So, we... I can see some of, like, the, the therapy books there. I have that book. So, yeah, so part of those <laughs> anyway. are actually um, from my studies of counselling. Yes. Seriously, so part of them um, are in there for that reason. Did you know Bolton is actually used in counselling? Um, Bolton people skills. Oh yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's one of the books that I got. I actually have to get through because it's used quite profoundly. 
In any case, yes. On the atonement, yeah. And NT right. I thought you'd be quite the appropriate person. To oh, that's lovely. Do that because we touched on it a little bit. We did. Um, we did. And yeah. what it means for us. Um, I do have notes, by the way. You've like got notes. <laughs> I may or may not read off them. It just they're just more of a guide. Yes, because the atonement's a really big topic. It's massive. And I, I look, I, I cannot. I, I, let me just say that I'm in no way an expert. <laughs> so, so far from it. Like, especially when it comes more to the like individual verses, so to speak. Mm. Like for that, I really do just have to go. Oh, read this book, and yeah. that will unpack it. Yeah. So I like, I focus on the atonement on the big picture, and then if I really wanted to understand a particular verse. I would have to really, really break it down and spend just a whole time doing that. Yeah. Like a common one that would actually have to be broken down would be that verse in Romans 3. I forgot the verse numbers, but when it says that he was a... In the Greek, it says a... No, I forgot what it is in the Greek, but it's either translated he was propitiation for our sins. Versus expiation. Expiation, but then there's also people who say that it translates to the word mercy seat. Have you heard of that before? I've heard of mercy seat words, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a different, different, like for instance, on that, that would be like a lot to unpack, for example. Mm. So, um, one of the things as well that um, I think it's good to give context. So, atonement mm. is obviously, um, I would, I would, I would think that. Pretty much almost any culture in the world has this concept in it mm. um, of doing something because in most major cultures, I, mean, I don't know so much about about the Western slash you know um, cultureless I would say <laughs> civilizations, but a lot of that's brilliant, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of civilizations that still hold quite deeply rooted cultures, um, yeah. they seem to come with a sense of there are there are forces and gods and things bigger than ourselves. Yeah, that, yeah. And so as a as a result of that, they have these rituals mm. that they do in order to um, like appease the forces, appease the forces, God's favor. Yeah. And so yeah. atonement, I feel as well, is one of those things that is probably in a sense universal. Yeah. Yeah. But in Jewish culture, mm. which is really where we derive um, Christianity from that idea, mm. from what I've heard is from Leviticus 16, yeah. there's a specific day mm. where that was set aside. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of, I suppose the root or the ground where God started to give the children of Israel um, yeah. instructions for, hey, this is that that specific day where yes. you know you're actually going to put your hands on the goat. Yeah, you know, it's all that. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. They put send the goat out. Send the goat to the wilderness. Um, bye bye. Yeah, yeah. And that's your sins gone. Yes. Um, but then we get to we get to Jesus, who dies for our sins, and then people post Jesus start talking, start connecting Jesus's death mm. to this really deeply rooted Hebrew. Um, uh, yeah, know, yeah, tradition. totally. Yeah, like and the Leviticus tradition. Yeah, and they start to really unpack it and actually yes. go, 
hey, you know what, all that stuff back there, yeah. which some of the prophets talk about as well, all that stuff back there was never actually going to please God anyway. Yeah. Um, this is what God always wanted. Yeah. Um, and it's been done once and for all. So there's no more need for sacrificing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And um, look, it's, it, I don't know how, how quickly you want to get into it, but like the, even there we have to unpack some assumptions about... Absolutely. Um, what the Levitical system was, and also how it relates to Jesus. Mm. So, I, I N.T. Wright talks, so I'm going to talk a lot about N.T. Wright, because that's... I knew you were. Yeah. <laughs> N.T. Wright, and not just N.T. Wright, but there's a few other uh, authors who want to understand what was happening in the Levitical system and relating it to Jesus. Mm. Is Jesus almost being like, to use a metaphor, a detergent for the world? Mm. So that his blood is more of it's it's a, it's it's ultimate symbol is an act of cleansing, yes, as opposed to an appeasing of God, mm. so to speak, yeah. which is really controversial because within a lot of theology, it is about you know here is God the Father, and um, you know, he can't look upon the world, and so Jesus steps in and takes on um, kind of the. The, the, the guilt of the world, yeah, so yeah. to speak, and you know, Jesus dies, and now God's happy, mm. and now we can go on living life, so to yeah, speak. Yeah. Um, so that's, I, I would actually critique that understanding of atonement. Well, yeah, because yeah. like when you say that, it, it almost seems like, um, well, to me, there's there's a, there's a there's a straight assumption, straight out assumption that mm. God, our Father, mm. is angry. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, I can't stand it. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. go do something about <laughs> yeah, it, brothers yeah, and yeah. sisters, before I just annihilate totally. all of them. Yeah. Um, and there isn't love. Yeah. That come from that assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's really interesting. And it doesn't take in kind of the holistic picture of of God, like, you know. Jesus wasn't. Jesus is distinct from God the Father, but he isn't separate from God yes. the Father. And actually, when you read, I think, Second Corinthians, it actually says that God was in Christ reconciling the world. So that's actually the cross event. It's actually about God being in the reconciling process yeah. through the cross, not yeah. about God being abstract or, or yeah. distant. That's and, right. And there's so many nuances with this because, wow. like. You know, because it brings up all the questions. Well, what about you know, does it, you know, what about Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that mean the Father and the Son were separate? You know, it's all these really big, big questions related. What do you to that. make of that? What do right, I so, make of that? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Um, I, I did hear before yeah. we get into that. I did hear some um, preacher once mm. um, talk about how you know it's with every with every thing. Well, a lot of the major moves that God made. Mm. They're actually all attributed to the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, so creation, um, the the cross, and reconciling us. That there are specific verses that where it actually yeah. does talk, like one of the <coughs> Corinthians, where yeah. you know it's not, it wasn't just um, Jesus on the cross, mm. you know, abandoned all the time. Father yeah. was right there yes. in the moment, and yeah. you know, all of the, the Holy Spirit was right there. Yeah, yeah, with Jesus. yeah, yeah. Um, and um, but then yes, there is that specific moment on the cross where, mm. to me, it's for the first time mm. you hear Jesus address his father 
He's got my God instead mm. of Father. Many other prayers that he said before yeah, yeah. That were either teach us how to pray to his disciple, our Father. Yeah. And then uh, Father, Father, Father. Yeah, Father. so there's that, that intimate so language. What do you make that with that? <laughs> Look, <laughs> um, when he quotes, well, he's quoting the psalm, actually. Mm. I forgot mm. which psalm. Um, but he's, I think it's, um, no, I'm not going to try to guess. I don't know which psalm it is. But what I, what I do remember reading that psalm, mm. and that was directed by different scholars to go, actually look at that psalm in, in context. When you look at the psalm in context, there is this sense of God's absence within the psalm. Mm. Uh, I guess in the same way that when you go through a grief or a loss, yeah. um, there's a felt sense of absence, right? Um, but if you actually go towards the end of the psalm, it does talk about God's presence, um, being there in the midst of the, the pain, in the midst mm. of the anguish. Mm. Now, whether or not we can stretch that to say that actually uh, Jesus's cry on the cross doesn't have to be interpreted as, well, the Father's turning his face away, but rather can still be interpreted as God is still present, but he, it's, a, it's a type of presence that can coexist with this angst and this pain that, that feels like an absence, so to speak. Mm. Um, I don't know what we ought to make of that, but I think I would still look at something like Second Corinthians where it does say that God was in Christ reconciling the world. I do have a, a problem with a picture of God kind of being God the Father being separate from the event. Or yeah, and there's certain theologies which would say that, you know, God can't look upon Jesus because he's taken on the sin of the world. But mm. I, I look at um, God who in Genesis is able to to earnestly seek after Adam and Eve when they first sinned. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and the God is always chasing after people. That's of right. course, Jesus himself, you know, holiness mm. isn't about not being able to look on sin. Holiness is being, um, it's it's a set of partners, but in the midst of yeah. um, brokenness in the world. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus Jesus quite comfortably looked upon sin because he was looking <laughs> upon people, right. <laughs> nearly right. people. <laughs> you know, so I, I do have a problem with a theology that says, that, you know, God the Father's like, oh, I can't look upon yeah. Jesus on the cross. Oh, he's dirty. He's got <laughs> sin on him, you know. Mm. But God's a God who's in the mess of it all. That's right. Yeah. That's very true. Um, so in a sense, you're saying that it's perhaps maybe the, 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 the intensity of the pain mm. that um, created this, you know, the situation where Jesus perhaps would have felt as if he was a lot further away from Father than potentially was the reality. Potentially. And uh, it's it's hard to say. It's think multi-layered, obviously. It's so multi-layered. And obviously we're looking into the mystery of mysteries, yeah, you know, yeah. what the, the exact kind of inner psychology, inner nature of Jesus mm. on the cross. Like, yeah. it's so hard to unpack. But I would say that, mm. perhaps very loosely, yeah. as a theory, lowercase t, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I might be wrong, but yeah. uh, that's yeah. kind of how I understand it. Yeah, yeah. like I do, I do like, um, I do really like and appreciate the fact that um, we, it's not a God who is separate. Yes, uh, even yeah. from like you said, the beginning of creation, like he's ha he has been involved. He chased after Adam yes. and Eve, and yeah. you know, looked for them. Where are you? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's that. There's that. That seeking. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and so I love that. So um, <laughs> we got off tangent. No, not really. I, I don't know if we're talking about the atonement. We are talking about the atonement. I think it's perfectly appropriate. Yeah. Um, uh, can I just say, like, 
that doesn't remove the intensity of the experience, of course, because because saying just because God was still present, in it, at least how I understand it, whatever that looks like in the midst of the pain, doesn't mean that God in Jesus wasn't taking on sin into His being, like which is you know you don't have to, it doesn't have to be just because Jesus is taking on sin as being that somehow God can't be in the midst of that. It's rather God is in the midst of that. But the intensity of the pain, it, it's still there. Because yeah. Jesus is the Lamb who, mm. who takes on and take, in the process takes away the sin yeah. the sin of the world. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing to unpack yeah. in itself. <laughs> what we mean by that. Uh-huh. Yeah, wow. Yeah. One thing I think is important to frame, mm. and this is what N.T. Wright does, and I think it's, I think it's really important. So we have to have the right... Christian story when we talk about the cross and I'll explain what we mean mm-hmm. so if our Christian story a story being kind of the A to Z the Genesis to Revelation right if the Christian story is about you know going to heaven after you die and that's ultimately what it's all about then the cross becomes I guess a, a type of mechanism where it's like we ask the question within that story you know why did Jesus have to die mm-hmm. And the answer within that story would be, well, um, so that we can go to heaven. Yeah. And the way he does that, he takes on, you know, he takes on God's God's wrath, and now we're clean, and we can go up to heaven. But I would say that those are wrong questions because it's the wrong story. Mm-hmm. I would say the story is actually about not going up to heaven. Mm. The end goal of all of creation of heaven and earth being one, mm. or the language of the Hebrew prophets and the and the apostle John and the like, who would say things like new heavens, new earth. Mm. Um, or as N.T. Wright would say, it's another picture language for heaven on earth, yeah. um, heaven on earth being one. If that's the ultimate end goal, then we actually have new questions. And the better question would be asked within that Christian narrative, that Christian story, that Christian history, wouldn't be, how do I get to God? But a better question would be, given um, sin and injustice and evil and death and the Satan... How will God's eventual goal of heaven be on earth come to be if all those forces are pushing against it? That's a better question. And then you could say the answer is that on the cross, Jesus defeats um, sin. He defeats evil. He defeats death. He defeats the Satan. He defeats sin, both my personal sin, sin, both communal and global, systemic, structural, individual, like the whole shebang. That when Jesus takes on sin into his being and and it dies its death in his death mm. um that's how evil is capitally is that's how sin capital s and all that mm. is defeated mm. and that now god's new world new heavens and new earth can now be ushered in if that makes yeah. sense yeah yeah and i think we have to understand the atonement within that narrative, yeah, narrative yeah. because if we don't it's going to skew how we actually understand the cross. Because mm. if it is just a... Because it is... I don't think it's a small thing. I think it's a monumental difference if we talk about faith as about escaping the world as opposed to faith as in um, God bringing heaven on earth. Because mm. mm. um, I... I mean, I... To unpack that would be... I don't know. I don't know if we want to do it right now. But <laughs> yeah. it would be... We could probably keep on doing you, yeah, yeah, but it's... it's it, that is how we have to frame the atonement. Because if we don't frame it like that, then we just get confused. It's like, well, 
then we have two quote unquote gospels. We have like the gospel of the cross and the gospel of the kingdom. Where actually, they're all the same thing because the way God brings his kingdom ultimately is through the cross. That's how God's kingdom has his rule, its rule and reign, mm-hmm. is through him defeating the powers that hold back that rule and reign. That's right. Yes. Yeah. One of the things I remember, well, that one of the things that I read quite often, um, Jesus saying when he explains the kingdom, he's he doesn't use future tense, mm. at least in the English translations yeah. that I look at. Yeah, he's he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Yes, yes, the kingdom of God is like so and so who yeah. found a great pearl. The kingdom of God is like this or like that. Um, and there's a there is a present tense to it, um, mm. unless it's been translated the wrong way. No, um, no, yeah, but I, I, it it does emphasize that point that Jesus um, was about ushering yes the, the kingdom of God yes um, and leading people and helping people to see mm. um, that those realities that they're looking for and perhaps maybe that's what we all think about that whole one day idea mm. yes. Um, yes and going hey you know what I, I see your one day mm. and I want to help you to see it in the, in the today yeah, that's so true um, yes yes because I'm here, I'm here right now, I'm not just the God of the future. Yes. Uh, but I've come from the future yes. to, to, oh. to invade your yes. now. Yes, that's perfect um, language. That's perfect you know? language. So, yeah. Yeah, I, t- I, t- I, totally, I totally see it. I totally see it you know, when Jesus comes in. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's funny you say that because within kind of Jewish religion at the time, and Jewish religion now, actually, this is, mm. this is a tradition that's carried through. You see it emerge in the prophets especially, and you see it confirmed in Jesus. And that is, there was a belief that went that there were two ages to history. Mm. There were what they called the present evil age, yeah. and the age to come. Now, by that, they didn't mean present evil age. They didn't mean present evil age, world is evil, creation's evil, future ages going somewhere else. Rather, that they meant the good creation is currently affected. Yeah. Um, you know, picture a dirty bowling ball, so to speak. You know, <laughs> you know the current good creation is currently affected mm-hmm. um, with, with sin and death and evil. And, but God's going to usher in a new age where the bowling ball, the world's cleaned, if you yeah. like. You know, yeah. bowling ball. I don't know why I use that analogy. <laughs> I have now. I've rolled with it. <laughs> rolled with it. Anyway. Anyway. The bowling, <laughs> the bowling ball. Clean the bowling ball. <laughs> Clean this world. And that, yeah, in Jewish thought, there's 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 going to be God's rule and reign on earth, mm. and so within Jewish thought, you have those two ages. And what you said about that fu- Jesus coming from the future, I think is perfect, mm. because when he does talk about the very present tense of the kingdom of God, it he, it is him essentially saying, "I am bringing God's future into the here and the yeah. now." And it's breaking into the present. Mm. Um, mm. And so, yeah, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, he is saying that God's future is breaking in. Now, I love that language because it doesn't say that God's future is fully arrived yet. It's not saying it's fully mm. present because if it was, I think this world is very different. <laughs> yeah, would, and we'll be resurrected bodies and all things yeah. will be, be well and it'll be amazing. Mm. Perfect world restored um, under God's rule and reign in Jesus. But uh, so there's this overlap. Because it's still a future yeah. come in from um, from the future, come into the past, into the present. Yeah. 
but it hasn't fully yet arrived. Yeah. And it's like the, it's like bubbles of God's future yeah. popping all around all us, place, yeah. but there's going to still be a full detergent of yeah. God's future that right. uh, can right. now be accomplished because of the, mm. the, the cross. Yeah, uh, which is yeah, which is good news. That's awesome. You know, That's awesome. it's great news. Yeah, it's, it's amazing <laughs> it's news. Great. You know, yeah, and and that I think for me it makes a lot of sense. And I tell this to quite a, you know, a lot of people when we're trying when we're trying to talk about like what's the point of life after you've given your life to Jesus? Like, okay, Jesus, I'm I'm gonna follow you, mm. um, and then we leave. Uh, for some of us, we settle for mediocrity, mm. and mm. you know whatever that looks like, it, yeah. it doesn't quite look like heaven on earth. Yes, it doesn't quite look like. Um, Jesus is our master, yeah, you know, and our leader, and our lives are being led by Holy Spirit. Mm. And so, one of the questions that I always ask is, if God's intention wasn't for, for you know, for the cross, the cross experience to happen, mm. and then every time somebody believes, mm. and you go, there you go, let's go, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's time to leave, it's yeah, yeah, time yeah, to yeah. Go. exactly, so exactly. It, it, there must be a point to it's... the past cross experience in a sense Absolutely. of of salvation yes um that 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 is deeply grounded to like hey jesus like it's got to mean something yes for yeah. jesus's um life and and death and resurrection to affect us yes and yet we don't go anywhere yeah. Like you still gotta have kids, you still gotta yeah, yeah, life. Yeah. you still gotta have a job and interact with people. Absolutely. How is the kingdom of God going to penetrate mm. and just break through all of that? Yes, yes. Um because God doesn't take people away. Yeah, no, and that, and that's actually <laughs> and that's why I think the narrative of escape has been problematic. Mm. Now of course when we do die we do go and be in the presence of Jesus. So I don't want to undermine that. Um however it's not the end picture. And I think what you said mm. is exactly hits the nail on the head. Mm. Because if it is about, I got my ticket to go somewhere else, then yeah, it does disconnect this life. Yeah. But if we go, oh, actually, we learn forgiveness in the here and the now, because mm. forgiveness will be this yes. future world. If we learn to, yes. to feed the poor here and now, because one day global hunger is going to be gone, mm. uh, when Jesus fully rules and reigns on earth as it is in heaven. He obviously is right now, but you get what I mean yeah. in, in the full yeah. sense. Yeah. You know, if, if you know, I, I learn to be a good friend now, because friendship's going to will be perfect in God's future. Mm. So, you know, I, I work hard now because actually everything I do is somehow a building block yeah. that um, that God is orchestrating to be part of God's future. Yeah. Yeah. It all becomes sacred and important when wow. we do things God's way, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, That's awesome. the, the metaphor I like to use is um, to be saved from sin but not saved into a new life of love is like... It's like mm. being rescued from being drowning in the ocean but never returned to land. Like, oh, there's, there's, it's so just, good. it just doesn't make sense. Still on the boat. Yeah, like, you know, even if wow. you read Galatians, you know, Galatians, it talks about um, being you know, rescued from kind of the law and from sin. Mm. And, you know, and, or, and Paul, the author of Galatians, use, uses a fascinating metaphor where. He almost starts to talk about the law like a new pharaoh from Egypt when you, right. when you live in the old the old system the old way. That's right. And uh, but then he says in Galatians five, he doesn't say, "Well, now you've got your ticket because you're going somewhere else." But actually, within the paradigm of kingdom on earth as mm. it is in heaven, he goes, 
now um, this is the new law that's written on your hearts. It's love. Yes. And this is the new life that you've been saved into. Yes. And that would also ultimately be because God's future is a future world of love. Mm. So we learn to live love in the here and the now. So everything mm. becomes important. Wow. How we do our work, how we do family, friendship, we do it out of a place of love. Yeah. Now, that doesn't have to become a new form of legalism or law because the one who is calling us to follow in the ways of love is Jesus. Yes. The whole point of following somebody is that we're not the leader at the head. He is. Yeah, he is. Yes. And he's the gracious teacher, which means when we do fail, he can pick us up. But he's yes. the teacher nonetheless. He does want us to enter into the new way. Yeah. But he's graceful in it and the spirit empowers us in that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's good news because we are, we're not just saved from sin, we're saved into That's a new true. life. Yeah. And people often have gone, oh yes, you had the salvation and then living a new life. I go, well, actually no. Like, yes, obviously, new life, but actually that's part of the salvation. Yes. You know, me, for instance, me renegotiating my relationship with money, for example, in a kingdom-shaped way, is a very liberating salvation, very freeing thing. Absolutely. Because, and you know, we could say that's a new lifestyle choice, but we don't have to call it legalism or we don't have to call it you know, oh, works or anything like that, that kind of paradigm of understanding of thinking because mm. actually me renegotiating my relationship with money through a kingdom lens yeah. by the power of the Spirit, yeah. Yeah. that is yeah. saving me from money being an idol in my life. So Absolutely. I'm being saved yes. over and over again. <laughs> so yeah. 